Support for another round comes from Squarespace. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code another round at checkout to get 10% off. What? Squarespace. You should. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Love it. Ooh, okay. All right. Give you a little. What, what little is that instrument? Guitar? <laughs> well, a nice little bass? Yeah, sure. It's the bass. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Tracy, what do we have for the people this week? Uh, so much good stuff. We are hanging out with our friend and owner of the dopest t-shirts I've ever seen on a human body, Wyatt Sinek. I need to steal his entire closet. You may know him from The Daily Show or just other funny things. Mm-hmm. He's he does funny a lot everywhere. Of, uh, shows in Brooklyn called Night Train. You should check him out. Also, we are going to try to get our lives together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have nutritionists, Wendy and Jess. On the show. What was that, Tracy? Food nutritionists. Nutritionists. I'm just going to. I will do this for 30 minutes. <laughs> we have women who are really smart about food and eating healthy. Wendy and Jess, who are going to come and ease us into this whole, like, stop eating trash thing. Because I'm struggling. But also, like, how to do it from our perspective. Yeah. Our particular struggles. As black folk. Yeah. We recorded this episode before Kanye dropped his new album, but just so you know, we're dedicating a whole segment to discussing it in the next week's episode. All right, let's get started. It's going to be fun. So a lot of you have been losing your shit since <laughs> Beyonce's formation came out. We were right there with you. Reasonably so. Yes. I'm still losing my shit over it. And a lot of you tweeted us and wrote in to ask us to talk about the video. We need like a full day to really get into it. <laughs> yes. Um, short version. It was dope. She killed it. It slays. I feel like... I slay. You slay. <laughs> I feel like this is like... What she did is what we aim to do with the show. Like, she Mm. centered herself and her blackness Mm. in full view of everybody else. Black, white, whatever. And she was just like, fuck it. And she's really coming into her politics, I think. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to talk about all of this in, like, a Beyonce-themed episode. We Mm. cannot contain it in a segment. Not at all. So we're going to give her a full episode. We wanted to let y'all know. We're thinking about it. Right. A lot. (laughs) But for those who are wondering how we feel about it. um, The answer is obvious. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. I got my whole entire life. Oh, my God. Protect Beyonce at all costs. At all costs. Yes. I thought she was saying my baby hairs have baby hair (laughs) in the same way that Gucci was saying like my room's got rooms, (laughs) even though those are like closets. (laughs) But she's saying I like my baby's hair to have baby hair, basically. Oh my god, I didn't know that's like, what she was she saying. She likes I like my child's have. hair yeah. with baby hair and afros. I thought she was just on some other baby hair levels. You know what? I did too. My baby hair's got baby hairs. Oh <laughs> shit. I love the song even more now. Yes, shout out to Beyonce. Oh. We love you so much, girl. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. I slay. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. You know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation. Always stay gracious. Best revenge is your paper. 
Okie dokie, everybody. We are very, very excited for this next segment. We wanted these two beautiful young ladies on the show because we haven't talked enough and maybe not at all about like health and taking physical care of yourself. We always talk about taking mental care of yourself. And it is probably because... It's a false dichotomy. Mental health, physical health. Same thing. At any rate, we are very, very pleased to welcome Miss Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones to the show. They are BFFs and they're both dietitians and they run a healthy eating blog called Food Heaven Made Easy. And they also have a podcast called Food Heaven. Wendy is here in the studio with us with mm-hmm. the flyest glasses I've ever seen in my life yes. here in New York. <laughs> and Jess is out in Oakland, California, where she is healing her eyeballs after having surgery. Hi, ladies. <laughs> hey, girls. Hey, Hi. guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so stoked that you're here. Oh, Dude, my God. We're people. so excited that we actually get to, like, talk about this on, like, an official podcast. I know. Like, seriously, nobody cares about nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel God. like... I want to care. I'm just so intimidated because I know I'm not living my life right. I know. I know. (laughs) And I think that, like, there's a lot of people who make it more intense than it needs to be and they don't meet people where they're at. Yeah. So it's like you're literally, like, every single patient that we work with, like, (laughs) totally. It's No, but seriously, like, it's very, like, small steps and, like, it's not just, like, overnight. You're only eating broccoli all day. Like, that's not (laughs) how we do it at all. Yeah. I think that everybody, including Wendy and I, I'm sure, like, we can all make, like, little improvements to our health. And that's all we're, like, really here to do is, like, help people do that. People (laughs) need to respect each other's food choices. Mm -hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it can be right. a little overwhelming when like, especially because nutrition is kind of buzzing online now. So you're just like pounded with all this information and you're just yeah. like, fuck it, I'm not doing any of this. So, right, right, <laughs> right. Again, it's right. me. Yeah. It's me. So little yeah. by little. Yeah. yeah. I'll try little to get by little. You don't together. have to do it all. So we have a million questions from us and from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Hopefully both of you can answer all of our questions. Oh, yes. One of my biggest problem in life when it comes to eating and making good decisions as to what I eat is Mm. that I like food that tastes good and healthy food does not seem to do that for me. (laughs) (laughs) So what am I supposed to do when I hate all the foods that I'm supposed to be eating? Wendy, fix it. Okay, good question. (laughs) Uh, Well, first I would ask what is healthy food to you? Because I think that um, there's an idea among a lot of people that like healthy food is like kale and quinoa and it doesn't necessarily have to be that like there's so many plant-based foods that are relevant to us and like what mm-hmm. we like like you know especially in the black community in the U.S. it would be like sweet potatoes or collards or like things like that and we would try like with our patients we try to incorporate foods that they already enjoy Mm -hmm. and talk about how to make them a little healthier so like you know maybe transitioning from like a buttered like fried chicken to like something a little more balanced Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then working on like what you're gonna eat that with. When you have something like broccoli or like I don't know any random food that tends to be on the blander side, especially foods that black people or I guess specifically people in the South would put like a bunch of butter in or like a bunch of like pork, you know, like throw a ham hockey in there to make it taste like something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What, how do you substitute like the ham hock for like 
a healthier spice or something to like give it flavor? Like what are good spices and ingredients that you can put on something healthy that will help it to retain its nutritional value? Beautifully said. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you much. Thank you. I'm like the queen of savory. I love like Mm -hmm. savory meals. I'm from the Caribbean. So Mm. it's like I need spice and I need all the flavor in the dish. So, I mean, I think onions and garlic go a long way. Mm -hmm. I I live by onions and garlic in all my dishes. Mm. And, you know, spices, there's so many wonderful spices, you know, from different cultures, like curry. You can use cayenne. I mean, like, all the herbs, you know. And then, like, you can use healthy fats. You can do, like, healthy oils versus, like, lard and, like, mm-hmm. ham hocks. You know, you can cook with things like olive oil, coconut oil, if you're mm-hmm. open to it. Yeah, talk more about the good, healthy fats that you can use. Jess, can you help us out with that? So there's unsaturated fats, there are saturated fats, and then there are trans fats. So your unsaturated fats, those are the ones that you want to eat more. They're healthy, good for your cholesterol, have a lot of like positive things that they do in the body. And those are things like your avocados, your olive oil, your canola oil, your nuts, your seeds, like chia seeds, Mm -hmm. even um, fish. So like the fattier fishes have more of what we call the omega-3 fatty acids. So things like salmon, trout, tuna. So if you, as long as you're getting some of those foods, like I tell people, like try to get some of that stuff in like every day mm-hmm. just because it's so healthy. And what it does also is fat is filling, so it helps you not feel as hungry because a lot of people, mm. they just, they think that, you know, you go from eating whatever they, like a lot of meat and a lot of carbs to eating just like salad. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. great. But, like, I tell people, like, I don't think you're going to be full, like, just on a salad. Like, I wouldn't be full. (laughs) So, I mean, you could, but it's like you have to add stuff to it. So that's when you add, like, I'll always add avocado. I'll always add beans. So those kind of things help to balance it out and help you feel a little bit more full throughout the day and Mm -hmm. satisfied. One of the questions that we got on Twitter when we sent out our call for questions is, um, and this is coming from a woman of color, What's the best food for our skin and how do you stop or clear hyperpigmentation? I actually have hyperpigmentation. I have no idea how I got it. Mm. Um, (laughs) With hyperpigmentation, you have like an overproduction of melanin. So Mm. with um, B vitamins and vitamin C, they kind of help to regulate melanin production. Interesting. um, So that you don't have like uneven skin tone. Mm. So you can try that. And then for vitamin C, it's like citrus. You can do like your dark leafy greens. So try that out. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. I never thought about like melanin being a thing that our body is constantly making mm, i always yeah. thought of it as, as just like a thing that's like in our genetic code or whatever that's like <laughs> melanin popping right right <laughs> you know, I always thought that, like your level of melanin was just like set wendy do you have more things that you think are specific to women of color that we should be paying attention to mm. there are so many when it comes to health and nutrition um i think body image is really big because curves and thickness is like very celebrated in our communities Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a big challenge like navigating that and kind of like being like you know we can still keep those curves and like the booty can be intact but (laughs) we have to like yeah we have to get 
you know, this blood work in check. We have mm-hmm. to make sure your, your, you know, your cholesterol is good. You're not at risk for diabetes. Right. It's also um, looking at where the fat is on your body because there's two different types of fat generally. There's visceral fat, which is kind of more in your um, abdomen area. And then there's subcutaneous fat. And that's more like your hips or your butt. So if you have more visceral fat, that's actually kind of a bad thing because that shows that you might have more fat in your actual organs or between your organs versus subcutaneous, oh, which no. is just under the skin. Yeah. So <laughs> for for black women um, in particular, it might be a good idea just to check in with your doctor and just say like, hey, I want to know what my waist circumference is mm. um, and see if you have like, you know, a little bit too much fat in that belly area. That would be more of kind of a risk factor. Mm-hmm. And then also just another concern that I, because I work in the hood and I think, Wendy, you do too, right? Girl, and so a lot I of, live in the hood. I work <laughs> in the hood. She's in these streets. Get at me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my patients tell me that when we talk about physical activity, they're very they don't necessarily want to leave the house to do it i mean i've had patients where who live in the area of my clinic where they've been attacked by dogs mm-hmm. they've been robbed at gunpoint i mean seriously mm-hmm. and so it's like kind of something that they don't feel comfortable doing or they may not feel like they have money for a gym membership or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them that, you know, if if they have internet or even a smartphone, there's so many online videos that you can do. I know Wendy and I do that a lot. Like sometimes, yeah, we don't feel like leaving the house or we get home late and we can't necessarily take a walk or make it to the gym or whatever. So just like find some um, some people on YouTube that you like where they have like you know some fun exercises you can do at home you don't have to do a fancy gym or leave the Mm -hmm. house yeah Yeah. that's a really good point I mean we have to be mindful when like giving people recommendations for working out like you can't just tell everybody go take a stroll Mm -hmm. you know around Mm -hmm. the neighborhood because like the street harassment is so real and a lot of times you don't want guys like you know you're in your cute workout outfit Mm -hmm. and you're constantly getting harassed um, you know in your neighborhood so that's another big concern mm-hmm. um, that I think relates specifically to black women living in like urban neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know that stress can be a huge factor. Um, there's food addiction. I know that one of my favorite things to do when I get stressed and I'm tired is to just like sit down with a big fluffy soft blanket and eat my favorite snack. And that snack is not broccoli. Mm-hmm. What work, if any, do you guys do to treat other things besides like the actual dietary stuff? Wendy, you were saying that you focus on some of the stuff. The good thing is that I have like a mental health background. Mm. So I think it's really important when doing nutrition counseling. Um, In one of my previous jobs, I was actually working as a nutritionist in a suicide prevention program for Latina teens. And you would think like, huh, what? But, you know, obesity increases risk for suicide, especially among teenagers. And so it's really great to be able to integrate mental health with the work that we do. So first and foremost, I always build rapport with my patients. And it Mm -hmm. might take a few sessions before we even get to like developing a plan for their nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, Because it's that trust is really important, Mm -hmm. that they know that you have their best interests and that you're there for them and you want the best for them. Like truly, Mm -hmm. I get into it. I get into like what's going on at home, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's going on with your work situation and just what about you yeah at my job too what I do is I'm really good friends with the LCSW the social worker therapist so we actually um, started a class together where it's kind of like a it's a healthy eating support group 
I focus a lot on the nutrition and she focuses more on like the stress management. Like, are you sleeping enough? Like, how mm-hmm. can we, you know, help to bring your stress levels down, um, different tactics and things like that. Wow. This, your answers to this question made me realize that until now I really had no idea what a dietitian does. Y'all do a lot. I know. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you all. We have one last question. It's a little bit more fun than okay. the more <laughs> the serious questions. sociological questions we've been asking you. So we're asking all our listeners for their food trauma stories. To clarify, food trauma means like, you know when you eat too much of something? Because you love it so much. And then you're like, all the time. I cannot eat this anymore. I hate it all the time, yeah. And then you're like, I'm traumatized uh, just no. by myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are the kinds of stories we're asking our listeners to submit. Mm-hmm. My personal story is croissants. There was a period in my life where I ate so too many sad. croissants. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankfully over that period. Yeah. But do you all have anything similar to that? Yeah, sweet potatoes. I can't fucking stand sweet potatoes anymore. <laughs> like, I just went crazy on sweet potatoes. I, I didn't grow up eating sweet potatoes. So once I got put on as an adult, I was like, like oh, this is everything. <laughs> I was like, sweet potato this, sweet potato that. I, I don't like it. I know Jess lives for sweet potatoes, but I can't. I do, every week, yeah. Hummus. The same thing. Oh, Ooh. my God. The hummus craze. I was like, oh, hummus this, hummus that. <laughs> I don't hummus like hummus. everything. I can't. I can't do hummus. I don't know that I have one like that. I mean, I'm kind of like week by week, I guess. So, like, I, like, batch prep everything on, like, Sunday. And then, like, I'll have it maybe, like, the same thing every day for lunch for the week. Um, but for me, yeah, it's just, like, when I've had too many things, like, that week, I get a little bit over it. I need to take a break for a month or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, it was so nice to talk to y'all. I feel like we've learned so much. Yeah, I'm almost Thanks excited to us. take care of myself now. Yay. Where can the people find your work <laughs> or keep up with all the awesome stuff you're doing? So our website is foodhavenmadeeasy.com. And then on the socials, we're at Food Heaven Show. And then if anybody wants personalized nutrition counseling, I do that as well. She just launched um, her private practice. Yeah. Oh, hey, girl. Yay. In the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. Go, girl. So that's, thank you. So that's jessicajonesnutrition.com. This awesome, was, y'all. Yeah, Thanks thank for having us. Thank you so much us. for stopping by. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, so everybody, be sure to check out Wendy and Jess's article, Here's How Dietitians Actually Eat Healthy Without Going Broke on BuzzFeed.com, the website. We will include a link to this on our show page and probably our newsletter as well. So a while ago, we asked you guys, our beloved listeners, to send in your food trauma stories. And because you love us so much, you did. I'm excited to listen to all of the delicious foods (laughs) that you can no longer eat. I know. (laughs) Let's listen. I love stories like this. Taco Bell betrayed me and like ruined my entire life. I want to talk about yogurt. Yogurt and I have this curious love-hate relationship. I love nacho cheese Doritos. French. And my childhood was full of my parents swearing I was going to turn into a Dorito. This story isn't about me. It's about my friend. He ate ramen. Most kids wanted fries. Not me. Had a burger. Wanted Doritos on the side. Eating chicken, Doritos goes with it. Like, ramen's cheap. Ramen's typical college food. So he was wearing it out. You know, different flavors. Chicken, spicy noodle, cup ramen, bag ramen, killing the ramen game. 
I'll simply be so excited about yogurt. And I'll stock up and I'll have it every morning. And I'll get great nuts and granola and I'll eat it with that. So when I was about 10 or so, I was at youth group at my church and we were playing a game. Basically, they'd ask you a question from the Bible. And before you could give them an answer, you had to eat an entire Twinkie and then give your response. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a little adventurous and have a crunch wrap supreme. So I get called up and I am killing it. I'm answering one after another until the very last question. What was the name of the woman who cut Samson's hair and weakened him? I had no clue. But I ate that extra Twinkie anyway, hoping it would come to me. And of course it didn't. I remember clearly the day I got sick of them. The bag looked the same, but when the chip met my mouth, there was a visceral reaction. I love Doritos so much that I knew when Doritos changed their recipe without notifying the rest of us. But eventually he ate so much that his body stopped digesting it. So one day he went to poop and he pooped out straight ramen. No type of digestion, nothing. I don't know what happened, but I was just not feeling well for the next couple of days. So moral of the story, just stick with what you know. And it took me a while to trust Taco Bell again. It's like a guy, you know, you, you just you see him all the time and you just you're just all in his space. He's in yours. And then one day you're just done with them. You don't want them in your mouth. The shame and deceit of this other chip under the guise of the nacho cheese goodness that was Doritos. And I got so sick off those Twinkies. To this day, I pass by a box of Twinkies in the store. I give it the side eyeing this thing. Fuck you, Delilah. <laughs> That's me and yogurt. I'll go back soon. I know I will. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and pay some bills. And when we get back, we'll have Wyatt Snack in the stew. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Support for another round comes from Squarespace. With Squarespace, sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. They take the guesswork out of the complicated stuff. Which brings us to a little thing we like to call the code name drinking game. Mm -hmm. The rules are simple. I will present Fair Heaven with a terrifying HTML code, and she has to guess what it means. And if she loses, she drinks. Okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. We have the letters B and R. Inside the little greater than, less than symbols. You know what I'm talking about? Does that piece of code mean, A, it's a tag for a line break to move text onto a new line. Mm -hmm. B, it's a code for a bullet repetition to autofill bullet points for a large amount of text. C, it's a code for a broken link to alert users to a broken URL. Or D, it's a command for a bold reply to infuse your timid response with a little more gusto. Uh, no, it's definitely not that one. <laughs> I'm going to go with line break. That is correct. Yes, bitch. Good job, man. You should drink anyway. You deserve it. I do. Yay. <laughs> Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. The site is intuitive and the tools are easy to use and there's no coding required. And if you sign up for a year, you get a completely free domain. When you sign up, make sure to use the offer code another round and get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, you should.
All right, our guest this episode is a very, very funny dude that we are very, very privileged to know. We wanted him on the show for a lot of different reasons. He was an absolute riot during his time on The Daily Show, which is where most of you will probably know him from. We have a lot of mutual friends in common from the folks over at postbougie.com. Hey, Jean, talking about you. <laughs> um, we share a DJ in Don Will who accompanies him at his Brooklyn show, Night Train. And he's just just a treasure, a gem in a dark world. Also, <laughs> one of the last times I saw him, I very awkwardly reached out to shake his hand as he was reaching out to hug me. So I just wanted to publicly apologize <laughs> for the way that I am. I'm a strange human. And I apologize. Everybody, please welcome to the show, Wyatt Sinek. Oh, thank you. Yay. Thank you. Thank what, up, you. what up? I appreciate you bringing that one person in to clap for me. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. It wasn't Tracy or Heaven. They just no, brought in no. one There's a person, person in the yeah. corner. One audience clap. member. Yeah. yeah. Um, person dressed like a little Dutch boy. <laughs> just walks out. Just hit a clap. Yeah. What up, what? How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> We're excited to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. You're doing a bunch of stuff. You're always doing a bunch of stuff. Always. And your most recent thing is a new show on TBS called People of Earth about people who have claimed to have had alien abduction experiences. What? <laughs> and you've been tweeting about it or tweeted about it. Yeah. Let, let me read the tweet now. Really hope at you mentioned them. Yes, TBS directly. Network is committed to hiring diverse and gender balanced people of Earth to help write and produce People of Earth. And this wasn't just like a little flippant tweet that you threw out there. You added TBS. You added like your white folks and was like, hey, don't fuck this up publicly. Yeah. yeah. Because I generally am trying to do things where I have control. Mm. So this is one of those where it is, oh, okay, yeah, I don't know what's happening. and <laughs> But if there's something I can do, it is at least publicly – try to help steer that conversation and get them to think about that and at the very least put them on notice publicly you know that hopefully it would keep them accountable that they actually try to do it because i think mm -hmm. there's so many whether it's networks or tv shows that always talk about how they want diversity and how they they want to do all these things but very rarely do they actually go about doing the work to create that environment. And I think especially with a show that's just starting out, you know, if the if the one bit of power I have in this thing is that I put them on notice like that, that at least forces them to think about it, mm. then hopefully that moves the ball forward a little further than what is the status quo, which is just, okay, let's, you know, let's just hire... The sort of from the same pool of people that we always hire from. But this is like a crazy bold move. Like how did professionally. They, how did they respond to it? Did they respond either on Twitter or in person? They didn't respond on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wild. What could they have said? Yeah. Ted Turner hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he just sends a K in response. <laughs> yeah, just an eggplant emoji. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> The creator of the show, to his credit, has said that he's wanted to create an environment that was inclusive and that uh, spoke to the many different voices that 
are on the show as far as the cast is concerned. It is a fairly diverse cast. Mm. The last night of shooting the pilot was a very bizarre thing. And we're shooting in this town called Whitby, Ontario, which is <laughs> like just outside, like an hour outside of Toronto. You said Whitby? Whitby. Oh, Whitby. Whitby. <laughs> That's crazy. Whitby, listen, I would advise all black people to never go to no. a town called yeah. Whitby. No. Just don't. It's like Lynchburg. But yeah. <laughs> right. You know there's a place called Oriental, North Carolina? Oh, what? No. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, so you're in Ontario, last night of shooting. Last you're in night Whitby. Of, in Whitby. <laughs> We're in this town called Whitby, and... So it's late at night. We're shooting at this roadside diner. I was walking back to set. And it was a strange thing because I, even in doing this, like like I said, any anything I've ever thought about doing, I thought I would have to do on my own. I thought I would have to create my own projects. And mm. so to have somebody write something with me in mind, it was mm. definitely flattering and sort of, uh, you know, bizarre and surreal. Yeah. But also, Anna Gasteyer is my co-star in this show and I love her. she and she's great and I met her when I was 19 years old I was an intern at Saturday Night Live and so I so there's this very bizarre thing of this person that as an intern I would watch mm. like through dress rehearsal and on camera and was just like oh how amazing would it be to you know do a sketch with her perform mm-hmm. and work with her and so all of that was kind of hitting me and as I'm walking back to set we're at this roadside diner. This pickup truck drives by, and this guy rolls down the window, and he just starts screaming, "I hate niggers! <gasps> I hate niggers! Oh I gosh. hate niggers!" And just keeps going by, and so just like a drive-by, just a drive-by just niggering. Like- <laughs> and- my friend oh told my me gosh. recently that that the phrase for that is nigger bombed. Oh, that's crazy! Well, like a drive-by, like just some dudes in a. Car. Like a slurry. Yeah, a drive-by slurry. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, let's crazy. be more inclusive. It's a slurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens let's be, to everyone. <laughs> let's be inclusive in, <laughs> in our hatred. <laughs> but That's it, wild. It is, but it was also one of those strange things where I knew he was talking about me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was the only nigger on set. <laughs> You're looking and, around like, what? what? Yeah. And, oh, me. Okay. But it, but it is one of those things where I think, for me, I had to carry that by myself. Everyone else definitely felt weird about it, mm. but I felt a different level of weird. Everyone is looking to me to see how I'm going to respond in that yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, the pressure. And so it is this very weird thing. And I, and I think to me, even tweeting that, I don't want to have to feel that, but no one else should ever have to be in that situation mm-hmm. where if somebody says something inappropriate, whether they're a passerby or whether there's somebody on the crew, mm that they should not have to bear that burden alone and that there should be other people there where you're not the anomaly. Have you ever felt like you were in a space like that where you felt comfortable, either professionally or otherwise? Definitely definitely in my personal life, Mm. I've had that. Professionally, that's a very good question. And I don't know if I have an answer. You know, sometimes doing stand-up, if there's a show that's maybe a bit more balanced in those worlds, sometimes you, you can kind of feel some of that. Mm. But, yeah, not I, I would say I would say more often than not, especially professionally, the guard is still up. Word. Mm. For us especially, I feel like um, 
it's hard to be media that like asks brown like we mostly have brown guests so we yeah. mostly ask brown people about diversity mm-hmm. but the task that's important is getting people to ask white yeah. people yeah. in these industries mm-hmm. yeah because those are the people making decisions and those are the ones that can really make change happen Right. right. So I'm sure you've been asked a lot about like Oscars, so white or whatever. Like yeah. like just literally any manner of things that's like brown stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that was I just I just had to go to Sundance for like a day and everybody asked me about the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> and even found like other ways where there was one reporter who was like, Look, my editor <laughs> Wanted me to it's ask. It's not me. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and so, yeah, every conversation was about that. And yeah, the weird thing about it is how many of the white actors mm. and white directors mm-hmm. are you asking? How many of the actual voters are you tracking down and talking to? And to me, that was kind of the big thing right. with it is like, you always see. Like after the Oscars, I think it's like the New York Times or somebody does like confessions of Oscar voters. Oh, yeah. Or the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, maybe it's that trade publication gets away with so much just by being like, oh, we're the industry magazine. Whatever the big story of the Oscars was that particular year, this film got snubbed, this one got robbed, this actor or actress didn't deserve it. Mm. And so then these anonymous Oscar voters will say, well, I didn't vote for that person because I didn't see their movie. Yeah, it'd be like, I didn't even watch 12 Years a Slave. (laughs) Yeah. Like, honestly, that was one of them. Oh, my gosh. But also there are movies that probably are worthy of Oscar consideration that just don't have the financial resources to pay to get considered, to get these people who aren't watching movies but are like, Oh, wait a minute. I saw that person in Variety in an ad that said, consider them. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things actually I've, I've learned recently that made me feel so naive. It's just like the whole Oscar campaign part mm. of it. The movie Tangerine right. had the Dupl- Duplass? Duplass? How do you pronounce it? The Duplass Brothers? Those guys, those guys who get to do everything, sure. <laughs> they are like the white Tyler Perrys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They... Yo. But one thing about the Duplass brothers is they did, they did make a concerted effort to have a, uh, an Oscar campaign for the movie Tangerine about trans women sex workers in L.A., which they were executive producers of. Yeah. No, and that's, I mean, it's bizarre when you think about what is it that is making something a best picture because you look at a film like that the story is a really interesting story and one that i don't think has really been seen that much in cinema at all maybe yeah. it's shot on an iphone but looks like it could have been shot yeah. on amazing cameras mm. is that not pushing the the boundaries as far as what cinema can do Mm. and is that worthy whereas you know i i've not seen revenant 
but that's a story oh. that's been told over and over right, again <laughs> and and the story has been warped and like you know he didn't have a half native american kid or any of that stuff like that's all that's all stuff that they just <laughs> added to this film and calling it based on a true story and i i just wonder why does this version become oscar worthy when it's the same thing that's been recycled Word. time and again and I don't know if that's because the voting system is flawed mm. or if it's the campaigning system, what it is that is that is the problem there. Because the hope is in anything, whether it's making movies or just doing your nine to five, whatever your nine to five is, you would hope that you could in a vacuum do your job, do your job well and be recognized for doing that job. Mm. But there are all these other elements that come into it that, well, okay, it's not just about doing your job well. It's also how do you present yourself to people mm. and give yourself the right kind of optics so mm. people are like, well, yeah, you know, Heaven's doing her job, but Tracy does her job and she's always got a smile on her face. <laughs> and, you know, and this is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you just read the both of us. Very well. Um, so you've talked about your time at the daily show i feel like we have to bring this up i'm sure you talked about it more times than you would care to probably yeah <laughs> so let's ask more questions about well, it for let's the people... talk about that thing you left four years ago <laughs> for the people who missed the conversation why it was on um uh, mark maron's show and talked a little bit about his time at the daily show what it was like being the only one mm. Which we talk about a lot. Yes. But I'm curious how it felt. I guess, I mean, it's similar to the tweet. Like, how did it feel afterwards to, like, publicly say I felt a particular way about the racial dynamic mm -hmm. or and how also, I was treated? this is the thing that happened to me. Yeah. If I'm talking about my experience at a job or in life, I'm always thinking that the first people who are hearing it are people who can relate to it. Mm. And then second are people who want to relate to it. And then somewhere down the ladder <laughs> are people who don't understand it and are just curious for whatever particular reasons to know a viewpoint that goes beyond their own. Mm. And so Nothing I felt like I was saying in that interview, I didn't feel like it seemed like a surprise as far as work environments. That if you've if if you've been a minority in a work environment, you know the feeling of whether you want to call it double consciousness or whatever, that, that sense of both being a part of the world and being somehow outside of the world that you're working in. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing I feel. And it's a thing I've felt professionally for a long time. Going back to what you were saying about, you know, how many places I've felt particularly safe. Mm. You know, not many. Mm. And I don't know what to do about that other than create worlds where people can feel safe. And I feel like I have the responsibility to do something like that. And even you know with the with the show that uh, i do the show in brooklyn with night train 
that is part of the thought process that goes into it is we always want the lineups to be diverse lineups because just from stand-up, I came up in a world where you would go to clubs and club shows. There were either two, there were two types of club shows. There were the club shows where it was all just like six white dudes and one spot for a minority, Mm -hmm. including women as minorities because they are, uh, or it was minority night. And it was Mm. like chocolate Chocolate Sunday, (laughs) chocolate Sundays, Mo Better Mondays, Refried Fridays, Latino (laughs) Tuesdays, Chopstick Comedies. These are real shows. Oh no! And that was the world that I came up in. And if I now have some autonomy here, Mm. I don't want to create a world that is just like the world that I felt uncomfortable in. And hopefully, I can make something that other people feel more comfortable in and feel like, oh, this is a safe space where if I'm in the green room, it's cool and I can hang out and I don't feel like I'm being bullied by one point of view or or type of person. Mm-hmm. If I'm on stage, I'm on stage in a place where my voice weighs as much as someone else's voice and it's not necessarily a competition. It is just a showcase of different voices, different ideas. And for me, that's always been been the goal to try and make stuff like that that people feel safe in and and selfishly that I feel safe in. There like all those things, there's room. It's just if people want to keep their doors open. Mm. Whew. Well <laughs> that's a whole nother door we could walk through. But well, no, to, we we can't. Someone has to actually let us in that door. <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah. true. All right, pew pew pew. This is our fun segment. In case are you saying the last part wasn't fun? Well, I mean, I don't know how you feel <laughs> about you, it. You were you saying know, you, you tried to create a safe space for me to feel safe, <laughs> but now I find out that this wasn't fun for you. <laughs> no, no. How I, am I supposed to feel safe in that I, environment, Tracy? I hope that this has been fun for you, but nope, I understand that we are Welcome not Welcome to another round with Devin and Wyatt. <laughs> Tracy's out. Whoa! How you gonna fire me from my own shit? That's not fair. Not fair at all. Um, I really want we're just going to do our yeah. standalone podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> if anybody has a podcast that I can come to. So I won't be homeless in these podcast streets. I really um, want now this episode to just have my face cut out pasted <laughs> over it right yours. I love that. I will Photoshop that. We should please do. Please do. Okay, question number one. I'm not going to cut any corners since you got to add to. I'm going straight to the good question. Oh, uh, no. I just um, pissed off a Kentucky lady. Yes. Uh, Accent is coming out. Word on the street, sir, is that back in the 90s, you were in a very short-lived R&B group called champagne no that's totally wrong i don't believe what? you back in the 90s i was in an r&b group <laughs> okay but we had a manager named champagne oh so my source my source fucked up on that Your okay source was messed Wait. up my source fucked up. okay so what was we, the name of the group I don't know if we, I don't remember what the name of the group was because we didn't go far. We yeah, just didn't like, have a name. Yeah, well, Champagne never well, got no us any gigs. Well, no didn't go far. Oh, well. Champagne didn't get us gigs, so then eventually, yeah, we all, I think, 
graduated high school. <laughs> and so Well, I mean, Champagne's name was Champagne, so I don't know what you were. That's true. I was for. the least no, talented. <laughs> I was the, I was the least talented of the three. Uh-huh. And uh but yeah, we we had a manager named Champagne <laughs> who I never met. What? What do you mean you never met this we manager? We had phone conversations. Oh my god. Did you give this person much, money? It was very much like a Charlie's Angels situation. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> we didn't get very far. We were like working on a couple songs and it was uh it was me. There was there were three of us. It was uh me, another guy named Da Vinci Tarver, who went on to be a gospel singer. Amen. Uh, and has has since passed away. Oh no. Uh and then a woman named Kim Merritt. And Ooh. so uh who Kim looked like Shanice, the singer. Shanice is pretty. So much so that she would get stopped in the airport. <laughs> And I remember she would tell the story about how one time she was in the airport and she was with her mother and somebody stopped her and they were like, oh, Shani's going to get your autograph. <laughs> and she has a, as, and she beautiful voice and was a great singer. And so she, you know, wanted, you know, she wanted to be her own person, was like, I'm not Shanice. And her mother was like, Shanice, stop playing and sign those people's autograph. Yes, mom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So your singing skills, if you had to assess them yourself, one to ten, where are you? When I was sixteen I did. I don't know <laughs> about now. I don't I don't I don't do much singing anymore. Uh-huh. And that was really look. At a very young age, I realized architecture wasn't going to work out for me. So I was looking for any way out of Texas. And if it was singing any type of performance, I would do. And if champagne was going to be helpful (laughs) in that process, then great. So IMDb tells me you were on Kanye's untitled HBO show. I was. I didn't even know he had an untitled show. Yes. What was that like? KC stood for Kanye's cousin. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding? IMDb yeah. just said KC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kanye made an HBO pilot with Larry Charles, who also was a uh, producer on Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And so this was... Another Larry. Yeah. And so this was supposed to be Kanye's Curb slash entourage mm. slash sex in the city because he really wanted to put a focus on fashion it was all about his entourage but the whole thing was improvised and i got brought there was in no script there was a loose script okay. so there was like an outline so you were sent something well i got involved with it because so matt besser who is one of the founders of the upright citizens brigade he was working with Kanye and some of his friends who were in the show teaching them improv. Mm. And so one day Matt had reached out to me and was like, hey, can you can you come over and do this thing? Like, I think there's a part in it for you, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to work with Kanye West to <laughs> teach him improv. For context, this is like 2008 <laughs> Kanye. Right. Yeah, That's like this is maybe two, 2007. This is right. It's right before graduation. Yeah. Mm. Um, important to distinguish phases of Kanye. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is right before graduation came out. He was actually working on it mm. at the time because okay. I got to go to the studio. What? And I got to go to the studio and he played I Wonder and I tried to give him some notes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what were your notes? <laughs> 
I well, what he was. Notes so, did you give Kanye West? Right. He was so excited. Like he was. Like it was one of those weird things where he was like, "Hey, do you want to come by the studio?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then he played some songs for me, and it was amazing to watch him work. He he really. I think he's talked about how he kind of sees things visually, like sees mm. music visually, and that there were moments where he was like looking at the oscilloscope that is just the music coming through and he's just staring at that for a while and he's just like something's off change this and word and when i was be... an intern at snl i saw him rehearse and it was almost exactly like that where wow. you could very clearly see he had a vision and it was so beautiful to watch him art direct a million white people like <laughs> camera closer here sound higher there like he yeah. was just that like precise amazing. yeah and so yeah so he played he played I Wonder, mm. and it wasn't really a note. It was just, <laughs> I think, in the hook, like the hook went down somewhere, like the somewhere where I thought it would go up. And I feel like I was, I was talking to him, and I was just, tr- I, in my head, I was trying to connect with him. <laughs> I was just trying to connect because I felt insecure in a world where he's a musician and, you know, champagne did me wrong. Maybe. <laughs> We'd be on the same level right now, but you know this is all on champagne at the moment. <laughs> and so, so I think I said something where I was just like, you know, I was just trying to show off my musical ability as a guy who was in a music group when he was sixteen. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. I thought you were gonna go like, like you went da da da. I thought you were gonna go da da da, and or some just some dumbass shit like that. And he. To his credit, he just sat there and he was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> uh-huh. I hear you. Uh-huh. I don't care. I hear uh-huh. you though. <laughs> and then at some point, I was kind of like, "I, you know, I'm. I should get out of here." <laughs> but wait, I sorry, to... I didn't mean to distract from the pilot. Oh well, yeah. This, but so this was as we were working on the pilot. I will just say, I never got invited back to the studio after that. <laughs> and I sat in my car and I was like, "You idiot! You've never won a fucking Grammy. What the fuck is your you problem?" Correct to Kanye. Yeah. What were you doing? I know, oh, man. But. The pilot, it was really fun. Actually, you know what? That was kind of a safe place. Mm. Just going back to safe places. That was mm-hmm. kind of a safe place because it was like this weird mix of people and like it was me and JB Smoove and uh, Kim Whitley and Lila oh, Arcieri and just, and Kanye to his credit, he would, he said early on, he was like, I'm not an actor. This is not my skill set. Mm. So I want to surround myself with people who, you know, who know how to improvise and do all this stuff. So we would shoot scenes and JB and I very early on found a dynamic where the dynamic was because I was Kanye's cousin who was just a freeloader. <laughs> JB <KC>. was Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And JB was playing his manager mm. and so JB was always like what do you actually do, boy? You don't do nothing. You just take money. You just take money. You ain't got no job. And so it was just this... I feel like he does that in so many movies. Yeah. That was a great impression, so by the good. way. It's, yeah. You ain't but got it, no job. But it was just this... It was just us getting into arguments where he would be like, what the, what, why are you opening your mouth? You ain't got nothing to say. What you doing? What, 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 you, what you bring to Kanye? And so that was like... Every scene, I'd be like, no, I bring stuff. You don't bring nothing. You don't bring nothing. What you, what you, 
You you don't do nothing. You just sit there. Why don't you go get Kanye some gum? Kanye wants some gum. Go get Kanye some gum. I don't need to get Kanye gum. I'm part of this. And, it was, and that's all we were doing very early on. It became this fun thing that like on the first day, we just, and we'd never met each other and we found this thing. And I love JB. He's so great. And mm. so we just found this, we just found this thing and Kanye loved it and Larry loved it. And so there were just they would just let us go and the two of us would just yell at each other and just get <laughs> into these weird little arguments and so then there would be moments where there would be story points that Kanye was supposed to push forward mm. but then Kanye was kind of like you know what like JB and Wyatt have a funny thing let them do it <laughs> so we would we would shoot all these scenes and we shot all these scenes where just us getting into fights and just like ridiculous shit and Kanye kind of cut himself out of the pilot. Mm. And then when everything got cut together, there were a lot of these story points that were JB and I. And I think the network was like, we didn't pay for a show for these two. These two ding dongs. <laughs> we wanted Kanye. We didn't want the we didn't Aww. want ding dong number one and ding dong number two. <laughs> and so yeah, so they I don't think they ever officially said no to it there was never mm. i've never to this day heard that the show is not moving forward so hbo was good if there's an hbo lawyer right now if they want to jump on some of this bandwagon yes. what they need to do right now is say you know what? we're uh we're moving forward with, the, with that kanye <laughs> show that contract still holds kanye <laughs> yo i would love a kanye hbo show oh my gosh make Me it too. happen wyatt oh no i do, I, do it he doesn't re- he doesn't return my calls anymore <laughs> so speaking about shows my source, who previously filled me with the intel he gave me, All right. also Don told Will. me. No, it wasn't Don Will, actually. Oh, okay. He said that you have a particular interest, maybe a fascination with puppets. I'm there fascinated are a lot with puppets. Of, there are a lot mm-hmm. of great puppet stuff. Yeah. <laughs> puppet stuff. That makes it sound weird. <laughs> it, that makes it sound anyway. weird. There are yeah, a lot of great yeah. puppet scenes in your stand-up show. Yeah. For right. Brooklyn. Yeah. In on my, Netflix. In yeah. My, yeah, the Netflix special I did. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed puppets, and... I've always been fascinated with animation. I, I took an animation class when I was like maybe 11 or 12. What? Uh, Where? Baby Wyatt. My. Uh, How? I want to do that. <laughs> at 11? At community college. Really? Yeah. They mm. let 11 year olds in? <laughs> so I, when I was in second grade, I made I made friends with this, uh, with this kid named Brian. And... His mother, she, on the summers, my my folks would drop me off at Brian's house. And so whatever Brian and his brother and sister would do, I would do. Mm. And so when they learned how to swim, I learned how to swim. If they, if, if they went to the movies, I went to the movies. And I became their child. Like for the summer, I was, I was the Vaughn's child, their, their fourth child. <laughs> and so... Brian and David were always interested in like filmmaking and stuff like that and that was my entry into all that stuff was them and their mother was this amazing woman who I can't say enough wonderful things about because she was that parent that was the one who would indulge that creativity in a child that would Mm. say okay you all want to learn about making movies and doing this stuff, I called up a local theater 
and we're gonna go and just take a tour just me and children and we're gonna take a field trip to a theater during Yours the day dope. yeah and so we and so we would do that type of stuff and so animation was one of those things and she signed us up for a community college class and we made a stop motion film <gasps> and the other kids in the class were all like 19 20 year old kind of like burnout looking dudes and <laughs> they had to then meet us like they had to come to where we were so hmm. they couldn't do like heavy metal type of like that type of animation where it's just like <laughs> ladies with big boobs and like blood shooting out the eyeballs so oh, the, good. so the anim- so the anima- them to be a little creative yeah. Jesus. so the animated thing that we made was this it was i still remember it to this day because it was just such a fun thing mm. it was the Care Bears and the Gummy Bears. Oh I already love it. Take over. They take over PBS because it's Texas. And <laughs> they start running wild in PBS. So it became this thing of like the Care Bears were kind of like the Care Bears and Gummy Bears were kind of like ninjas. And there was a thing where like they like beat the shit out of Mr. Rogers. Oh and my like, God. And it was and it was like to a twelve year old who's just like grown out of Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. It's like, like oh yeah. yeah, this is yeah, I wanna <laughs> I wanna beat that sweet old man up. Like and it was such a fun thing. And so I've always been interested in animation just as a little coda to that mm. and to the power of Mrs. Vaughn and just yeah, just giving credit to where credit is due. She awoke all that in me. She also awoke all of that in Brian and Brian went on to become a comic book writer. He created uh, two very well-known comic books. He created a lot of comic books, but he created a comic book called Ex Machina, and he also created a comic book called Why the Last Man, both Mm. very amazing comic books, and he's done a lot of other comic books as well. He wrote on Lost for a little while and is now, I think, developing Why the Last Man into a television show, but we hadn't seen each other in years, and my first time with The Daily Show to go to the Emmys you get to your table at the reception and I knew he was working on Lost and I'm flipping through. They give you a little booklet that says where all the different people are, what tables they're at. Mm. And I see his table and we both found each other and we hadn't seen each other in years. Oh my God. And we took a photo to send to his mother because it was this thing of like, you made oh, this happen. Look at like this is cry. You, like she, and it really <laughs> That's was like beautiful. she she really stoked a fire in both of us that mm. burned strong enough that 30 years later mm. we're both at the Emmy Awards at the Aww. Governor's Ball. It might have happened in its own way, but I really do feel like oh yeah, she I'm I was so grateful to all of that to all the things later my you know my first big job was a writer at king of the hill but it was like oh yeah this is animation this is all the same stuff i was mm. this is just a another level of the stuff i was doing when i was you know 11 12 years old and all that stuff was fun but puppets what makes them fun and interesting is you know at king of the hill it would take us 9 months to make an episode from script to what you saw on screen good lord yeah mm. and i think what i loved about working on the daily show was we would make a show in about nine hours. Mm-hmm. And so I went from one world where it took nine months to another world where it took nine hours. And what's fun about puppets is it's a form of animation that is a lot more immediate. Um, Feel free to puppetize Heaven and I. In your... uh, yeah, I would love a puppet. Absolutely. We have time for like one more question. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is a very slow rap. Here's the thing. Any place I go to, we're going to hit an Eeyore pace for this. That's just... That's, I self-identify as Eeyore. So. I have been called Eeyore many times Aww. in my life. You play a black reporter who works mm. at BuzzFeed on the animated show BoJack Horseman on Netflix. Oh, that's right. I and do. basically play Low-key, you're playing us. Did that you is. use us as your inspiration? <laughs> How did you prepare for this role? I, I read a lot of BuzzFeed articles, <laughs> but then I did no preparation. <laughs> Here's the thing I'm going to tell you. I have absolutely no range as a performer. It's all pretty much Eeyore. <laughs> so with that, yeah, they reached out to me and said, oh, you're this BuzzFeed reporter. I never actually went to a space like they... I did like a table read over the phone for like the first episode. And then after that, I just, I would get a call and it was like, oh, can you go to the studio in Manhattan and just say seven things? <laughs> Voiceover is one of those strange things. Here's the last thing I'll say. I know we're going rapid fire. But <laughs> one of the strange things I will say that is kind of flattering, but also weirdly insulting, I have friends who have sent me uh breakdowns of voiceover auditions one of them it said like this person is you know and they had all the adjectives of you know he's this and this and this think Wyatt Snack <laughs> and then there was another one that was like think Wyatt Snack or John Benjamin who uh he voices Archer as well as Bob on Bob's Burgers. Yes, yeah. big fan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In both those situations, and I think there was a third one I got sent, I was like, these people never called me. <laughs> like they like but in each one it was like, we're looking for a wide type. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? Dang. Like, what, Yo, like, I am Wyatt Snack. Yeah. Right. Like, it don't get more Wyatt Snack yeah. than this. How cheap is this production <laughs> that you think like, that you think you can't afford me. <laughs> I will shill your shitty product if it helps me buy a brownstone. <laughs> Listen. Oh, my God, uh, Wyatt. We have a thousand questions for you, but know. our producers are telling us we are out of time. No, fuck it. Fuck them. We're staying. Next question. We're locking it in. We're like, let's just get the best of them. Let's, this is going to be a three-part podcast. <laughs> you know, I would love that, but yes. that's crazy. Perfect no, it's not. Like a three-part podcast. Every week, it's a new episode. Here's <laughs> Look, I need to get my name out there. I'm, I'm into it. Welcome to, to another round with Tracy and Wyatt. <laughs> oh, look at that happen. You just got... No. Switch it up. Yeah. Switch it up. Yeah. Don't feel good, does it? Been dealing with this one now. Heaven and Wyatt. Oh my God. You anyways, don't even want him to have a three part show. Anyways, Wyatt, where can the people find your work? <laughs> they can find it. I have a website, which is wyattsnack.com. I do host a show in Brooklyn for people who are in Brooklyn. That's every Monday at a spot called Littlefield. It's a lot of and fun. It's called Night Train. It is. Yeah, it's a fun time. We actually shot six episodes of that show for a digital platform called CISO that should come out in May. I have a new album that's coming out at the end of this month, I believe February 26th, called Furry Dumb Fighter, <laughs> which, if you say it really fast, it sounds like Freedom Fighter. Oh, my uh, God. So yeah. 
Say it just freedom fighter. Oh freedom fighter. Freedom fighter. Freedom fighter. Freedom fighter. Freedom fighter. Yeah. Exactly. That's genius. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Why no one thought of that before now? I can't believe it. Yeah, it was right so there the whole time. I got that coming out. Watch Brooklyn on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's on vinyl if you can find it somewhere. On um, vinyl? Yeah, because I figured since it was called Brooklyn, I should do the most Brooklyn thing ever. <laughs> it's only thing. And it's artisanal it, and shit. Make it really artisanal. <laughs> so, the fact that even that, that it's like you can't get it on Spotify, <laughs> but it got nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> like it is Brooklyn. I feel like Kanye would put that out there. So I feel like mm-hmm. I need to put that out there. Yeah. Kanye Kanye would talk about all the Grammys he's been nominated for. Kanye and a Kanye, man. Shout out to Wyatt Snack, y'all. Thanks yeah. for stopping by. And thank you for bringing us gifts. Yes. Thanks for the Habiki whiskey. Yeah. Listen. Habiki. <laughs> call it's me. It's a Suntory company. And call Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Call me and Wyatt. Habiki, when you feel like you're in Kentucky, but you're really in Japan. <laughs> Yo, we're I'm out here sold. writing slogans for y'all right. and shit. Yeah. Seriously, somebody, here's the thing. You have an audience face that somebody (laughs) in this motherfucker who's listening right now (laughs) fucking tune in. I don't give a shit what you're doing. Stop working because I know you know somebody who works at Centauri Company. Exactly. You either got a cousin or you got a friend. Uh You know somebody. One of y'all know somebody. Hook it up. Whether they're in Japan or Deerfield, Illinois, I want a fucking crate (laughs) of whiskey sent here tomorrow. Yesterday. I want it yesterday. If you want this podcast to keep going send you need to whiskey. send yeah um, this is was... the pledge drive the pledge drive <laughs> is send whiskey to keep this podcast going there are black people in need <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> alright y'all send us liquor shout uh, out to Wyatt Snack catch him on Netflix and yes. all the other things in Brooklyn <laughs> yes <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for stopping by thank you this is a joy thank you for having me We're doing our Black History Month rounds. Yep, yep. And I have a good one. Ooh, go, go, go. Who is it? I would like to buy a round for archivists, <laughs> for people digitizing black history. Oh, like Ebony Magazine and yeah. Jet Magazine and stuff. Google Books has Jet Magazine and Ebony Magazine, like mm-hmm. all of their old stuff from like the 60s onward. Mm-hmm. I actually have the Ebony ones open right now. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I look at them like every once in a while. Like yeah. one. Any day I just have like free time, like, oh, what was happening like 30 years ago on, mm-hmm. on Jet Magazine. They're so fun and interesting. Yeah. Anyways, this specific one I want to shout out to is from the New York Public Library. They're digitizing and archiving the Green Book. Are you familiar with the Green Book? I'm not familiar with the Green Book. What's that? So the Green Book was a travel guide published between 1936 and 1966 that listed hotels, restaurants, bars, gas stations, etc. where black travelers would be welcome. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. So it's basically like Yelp without white people. <laughs> Ooh, can like we bring this back, specifically <laughs> to exclude white oh people. God. It's basically like you're trying to you're trying to go somewhere. You're a black person at a very precarious time. Mm-hmm. There are some places that do business with black people. And like this person, this, uh, excuse me, his name is Victor Green would do these like reviews of these places and like accumulate them from other people mm-hmm. to be like, all right, people traveling, like... Here's where you can be safe. Mm. So the New York Public Library is um, digitizing them, um, specifically the Schomburg. I don't know if you've ever been to the Schomburg. I have not. It's in Harlem. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a branch of the public library. I know it's like cheesy, but like imagining yourself in history yeah. is actually pretty hard. It is. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm just trying to imagine living in a world where a 
where a document like this is necessary. You yeah. Know? Places that you can go to literally not die. That's crazy. Yeah. So it had a, like a bunch of different names. The Negro Motorist Green Book, the Negro Traveler's Green Book, basically something with green and like Negro. <laughs> <laughs> and every edition of the thing, it went from 1937 to 1964, which mm. is amazing. That's a long time. In every edition, they at the end of the introduction, Victor Green would write, there will be a day sometime in the near future when this guide will not have to be published. Mm. That is when we as a race will have equal opportunities and privileges in the United States. It will mm. be a great day for us to suspend this publication for then we can go wherever we please and without embarrassment. But until that time comes, we shall continue to publish this information for your convenience each year. Wow. Yo! That is crazy. That's amazing. It is amazing. I'm just like in awe. So you can you can do like all the interactive stuff, but you can also like look at the actual, they have them from all the years. So check out the New York Public Library Green Book map. Visit the Schomburg in Harlem. Um, it's really great. It has a lot of resources. And just like, yeah, shout out to everyone who's like, digitizing black history yeah okay i'm excited to buy this round it's a round that should be bought every day i Ooh, think who are you buying around for not who but what Ooh. i am buying around for fried chicken oh my god yes listen <laughs> fried chicken for black people is a battleground okay <laughs> fried chicken is a battle field because i mean it's not just like a super super delicious food <laughs> And I really want to drive home. It is so good. <laughs> Fried chicken is so, so good. But it's a very racialized food, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, you know, white folks, for some reason, were like, ooh, let's taunt black people with a really delicious food. Even though Battle. everyone likes ooh, fried chicken. Nobody dislikes fried chicken. <laughs> nobody does. And so it's so tied into respectability politics because, like, I feel like we all have that moment. Or maybe not all of us. I had a moment or two. Hmm. Being the only black person in any sort of room where fried chicken is like <laughs> on the lunch menu or like you're out <laughs> ordering lunch with your white co-workers and you're like, yo, if I get this fried chicken, are they going, am I going to seem like a stereotype? Yo, it do sounds silly, it? but I've definitely thought about that too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but listen, one of the most freeing moments of my life is when mm. I decided not to give a fuck about it. <laughs> it feels so I'm gonna get good. my Popeyes. Exactly, exactly. Because it's it's just like the whole respectability thing, like with sagging, you know? It's not like a white person's like, oh, this person's sagging. I can impress them. This person's it's cool. What? Sagging. Sorry. Oh, like sagging their pants? Yeah. The sagging pants. <laughs> the sagging pants gives me permission <laughs> to think that this person is a nigger. You know what mm. I'm saying? It's it's ridiculous. And not eating fried chicken in public is not gonna make people <laughs> respect you anymore. You just denying yourself fried chicken. That's not being kind to yourself. That's not good <laughs> self-care. And I know so many people who refuse, <laughs> who actively refuse to eat fried chicken in public. <laughs> I also knew somebody oh, who no. wouldn't eat bananas in public because they what? didn't want to look like a monkey. What? And I'm just like, you... Okay, bananas. Yo, that's a good-ass fruit. You're missing it's out. It's delicious. It's just so ridiculous that we would limit ourselves. The pleasure and enjoyment of Biting into a hot piece of juicy, crispy fried chicken. Speak on it, Tracy. Speak on it. Because of white people. Don't let that happen. <laughs> this is definitely a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. But I think mostly the people I know who interact with this in like a very uncomfortable way are like people in corporate or finance mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Where they have like a very professional image to yeah. uphold. 
mm-hmm. quote unquote, quote professional. Unquote. I definitely did. What kind of professional are you if you don't eat fried chicken? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trusting That's you. That's not my vision I'm of professional. I'm not paying you money to give me any advice on anything. What kind of business are you running? You exactly. don't like fried chicken? What's I'm, good? I'm not into it. I'm not interested. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it. white people don't have to eat certain foods and they can eat whatever they want anywhere <laughs> and guess what black people so can you so can you anybody that turns their nose up at you for eating fried chicken in public or bananas or watermelon or whatever they fucking suck and it's not your job to accommodate them by denying your taste buds the the glory of fried chicken and delicious foods so fried chicken i hear you i love you i support you black people please join me in doing the same we gotta take chicken back Take chicken back. Take chicken Take back to K sixteen, y'all. Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I love this round, Tracy. Yes, I might go to Popeyes when I leave here. Ooh, let's Field do trip. it. Field yes. trip. I really want a biscuit. Yay! We did it! We did it! We did it! We did it! Tracy, we, did we it. made it. Hey, we are slowly plowing our way through Blacker History Month. <laughs> it's fantastic. Y'all gotta step your game up. Y'all are at Black History Month. We're at Blacker okay, History Month. <laughs> we have transcended Black History Month in the studio. <laughs> um, we want to give a big shout out to Wyatt for Yay. stopping by, to Wendy and Jess for giving us all this beautiful advice. Woo-hoo. Shout out, of course, to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. <laughs> that was beautiful, Tracy. <laughs> this podcast is produced by Eleanor Kagan with editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss Berman. Production Mom. help from Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Yay. And shout out to Paul Rest at Argo Studios. Shout out to our in house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her at Jean Greasy on Twitter. And to Don Wheel of the Almighty Tanya Morgan, that is D O N W I L L. The reason that I spell it is because I feel like people, oh, yeah, 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 accent my accent, thing. because I say it naturally as Don Wheel. Tracy, your full self here. Follow Don Wheel on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, follow Don Wheel, follow Jean Grey. Thank you to Optimus Prime. Oh, thank you to Tracy. Thank um, you for being my friend. Bum, 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 bum. Travel down the road and back again. Bum, bum, bum. Your heart is true. You're a, I was singing the cell song. And a confidant. Oh my God, Jesse. If you threw a party, light is in the air. You invited <laughs> everyone you knew. Oh, Tracy, this is beautiful. You would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, Thank you for being a friend. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> bum I'm honestly going to cry. <laughs> Thank you Aww. for being my friend, Tracy. Follow Heaven on the Twitters at Heaven, like the place she doesn't believe in, and Rance, <laughs> like the only word that people use to decide to describe Kanye. I was doing so good. You can follow me on Twitter at Brokey McPoverty. Brokey like my bank account. McPoverty like my bank account. You can also follow us on Snapchat. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna snap one day. We're gonna try to include more Snapchat and Periscope stuff, so you can see what happens in the stewed. Right. A little behind-the-scenes action. Mm-hmm. And for even more behind-the-scenes action, have you subscribed to our newsletter? Ooh, yes. Newsletter Look at that segue. That was nice. That was real, real thank nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you haven't signed up yet, go to BuzzFeed.com slash another round slash newsletter, and there will be a lot of goodness in your inbox. Hit us on the buzz. Hey. Hit us on the buzz. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Another Round. And as always, you can email us at anotherround at buzzfeed.com. 
A quick thing I would like to say, as the show does better and better and we get more and more listeners, which we absolutely love, we love loving on each and every one of you, it's so hard to respond to all the emails now. And it makes me sad because I really, really like to send out personal emails. But if you send us an email, please know that we have seen it, we have read it, and we love you for sending it, even if we can't respond for like months. <laughs> Word. No, that's it's just so intense. Real. We it's a see lot. you and we hear you. Yes. And please, please keep know that. sending them. We love to get, we love to get emails from y'all. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Leave a little review. Leave us a love note. It's Valentine's time, and maybe. <laughs> Valentine's time. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. <laughs> All right. Drink some water, y'all. Take, Take your, your meds. meds. Call your mama. Ooh, replace your toothbrush. When's the last time mm. you did that? I'm doing that today, and I'm very excited. I actually just recently did that. I feel so good. Doesn't it just make your entire like life feel cleaner? It does, honestly. Mm-hmm. Do that. I'm like, why am I dealing with this scraggly-ass toothbrush? Right, right. Thanks for listening, y'all. We love you. Bye. Bye. What are the lyrics, Tracy? I pushed my cousin down the steps and I don't give a fuck. I ran around and then I chased an ice cream truck around the corner. All right, all right, stop. <laughs> Beautiful. I love your made-up but confident <laughs> lyrics. <laughs>